The objective, to deliver the NBA to you like no other. News, play breakdowns, power rankings, storylines you never hear talked about anywhere else. It's all straight shots here. Fired by straight shooters. S and gun. This is the Objective Basketball Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Objective Basketball Podcast. We're here in in Las Vegas. Here, chilling, hanging out uh, with Rusty Butt. I just know that was really they really research. Do you, do you know? Do you know what the uh, the reasoning behind that is? That's that's how a lot of people talk about basketball, and it's annoying as hell. Yeah, it's exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Do you do you uh, do you try to stay objective with your stuff, or are you? I mean, there's like, there's a it's the word objective is like a useful way of describing it, a way of looking at it that's like not actually truly a lot of this off. It's like you know, I find I, I can like realize. I can, I can take away my hatred for Dylan Brooks. Right. I'm like trying to actually analyze him as a player. And I still walk away thinking he sucks. <laughs> but you know, maybe like 10, 15% less than I would if I was looking through the truly biased lens. Right. But like these days, if I don't like a player or I really like a player, it'll be the first thing I say. And I'm like, if you want to take what I have to say for granted because of that, go for it. Yeah. Especially anything regarding the Chicago Bulls. Although lately, I think it goes in the opposite direction, which is I'm probably more of a Bulls hater than anyone that's not a Bulls fan. Yeah. Not that bad of a summer. Depends on your perspective. <laughs> if you want to do the being the seventh to ninth seed thing again, then yeah, they had a good summer. I I think like if I had a list of top ten most underrated free agents, Tory Craig and Javon Carter would have been on that list. Right, like those are guys that I was I I, I think very highly of, especially in comparison to a lot of people, but. I don't want to be the fucking seventh seed again. I don't know. If you curse on yes, you're not sure. I'm on it. Sorry. <laughs> um, you try? Do you curse on your on your videos? You do, right? Yeah. I, well, here's the thing. I tried to stop. Yeah. I could. I'm not an animal. But uh, after a while, I was like, my AdSense is not getting better. What's the fucking point? I feel like I'm taking a flavor out of my videos. There are a lot of people who appreciate that I just I talk like this. So yeah. that you know. Be the unfiltered way is the way that that gets. Yeah, I think it connects with people. Yes, yeah. that's West health. Is this your first time? In Vegas? Uh, no. Oh no, but you said second. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he, he, this is an off-air conversation. Right, right, but, right. I, I, last year it sucked, and I was like, it, it was because we planned it poorly. Frankly, right. we decided to come here towards the end rather than towards the beginning because we were thought, oh, the championship game would be cool. No one gave a shit about the summer league championship. Everyone's out of town. Right, right. right. Uh, so we did. We missed a lot of people that we wanted to meet. Uh, but this time around, I was like, okay, I was like, I'm never gonna go again. Uh, but then Wemby, so I was like, okay, I'll go Wemby, and then you're like, how do you didn't wait until the end with this one? Right, yes, yeah. so that was very deliberate. This was by far one of the best trips of my life, though. So I'm probably going to make this a annual thing. I have a lot of content creators like Alex, who's behind the camera, and well, the very producer right now, very very good friends with, and it's like, yeah, I like basketball. I like that element of it too, but also like. So many people that I respect and have been a fan of and followed on Twitter for a while. Yeah. Uh, I can finally actually meet in person. It's very, very cool. 
you met me 20 minutes ago. Quick observations. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I agree with you that Vegas is definitely one of those places, especially summer league wise. It just feels like a like Comic-Con in a lot of ways for NBA, you know, where, I mean, they had the NBA con. Did you go to it? Did you go to it? No, I did not. I was going to go with someone uh, who had not being able to go. But, oh, yeah. uh, I was I was iffy on it. I was like, I feel like it'll be cool for about 30 minutes. And I was like, I spent 60 bucks for 30 minutes of cool shit. Yeah, yeah. You know? Oh, damn it, 60. There's a discount. <laughs> I'm not promoting. It's true. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, overall, I think the best part about it is what you mentioned, is being able to meet up with a bunch of people. Yeah. I never, hey, it's like this, sort of. Yes. Everywhere in the crowd's fucking a sicko, too. Yeah. Like people who are... Like, I, I you hear people talk about, like, people's upside. You don't hear the word upside in a fucking yeah. NBA game. Like, you hear a guy complaining about them not posting up. At or, like, his bet. is his right. in his bet. Yeah, that happens yeah. a lot. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that's it's, it's interesting because often the time, as basketball sickos ourselves, I will, at least for me, I'll overhear someone in the crowd say, shit, I'm just late. It's good. Fathers. <laughs> but any, any time I've overheard... Uh, someone talking about basketball, like, yeah, this guy, this guy gets it, at least to some degree. What's, uh, what, what, I guess, what was the main takeaway you had from Sunday like this year? Or anybody that stood out to you? Uh, well, I mean, there is a guy, I don't even remember what his name was, the, the point guard in the Wemby second game. Oh, Arnold Hardog. No, no, no. Who they played, who they played against again? Now, now this is going to be such an awkward moment. Black Blazers. They played the Blazers. You know, yeah. They played the Blazers. The Blazers point guard, the guy who I guess would have been backing up Scoop. Like, I feel like, I think he had like 16 first half points. Yeah. And like, it wasn't just like he was, uh, you know, hitting shots. It was like, he's doing like veteran NBA moves right now to get these shots. And it's something that I could see being replicated over and over again. Right. Because some players just get hot, and it's not necessarily that they did that much impressive. You just have a, a hot nine, but yeah, yeah, that 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 guy stood out to me a lot. But of course, you know, I was just I was mostly here to see. So, what was your reaction first thing? You know, well, I I didn't see the first game, so I didn't get the huge disappointment of it. The one like negative takeaway that I'll get is obviously he had a much better second game. Yeah, like he's got to be able to handle even a modicum of contact a little bit that he does because it seems like he a guard runs into him and he's like flailing all over the court right it's it's almost cartoonish how much he flailed around <laughs> I, I would think he was like trying to flop if i couldn't tell it was literally just because he wasn't strong yeah um it's not about the skewy thing as much as it is you just can't be pushed around that i wonder if a lot of it is his height we were talking about this but like he's dribbling and where his dribble is, like the the highest point of it, is where a six foot two guard, six foot three, six foot four guard lead. That's just an easy swipe of the ball. That's why there's so many turnovers. You know, yeah, I mean, that's the one advantage like a guard would have on like in the post. Yeah, if you make a quick enough move, you could definitely get the ball from him. But overall, like I know from what I've learned about him as a prospect before, his mid range game is particularly compelling and he has some shots in that game where i was like there there's just nothing that can be done yeah if he can shoot 50 percent for mid-range no matter you know how contested or whatever the shot is and that's just that's going to be easy money for his entire career because this his release point is at the damn yeah <laughs> that's like the, the, there was there was a play where he got, I think he got fouled on a mid-range jumper uh, and it went in, and like the guy smacked his elbow, and it's like that guy jumped like eight feet, or like where his where his reach was was like very very high, 
Yeah. And he still couldn't get to it. Like, yeah. you have to essentially jump high enough to where you could, like, dunk a ball to block Wemby's shot. Yeah. Like, if you can't dunk, you can't block a Wemby jump shot. It's funny because uh, he had that, like, in the second game, he had that moment where he got a rebound and then off the rebound just immediately dunked it. I don't know if you saw that, yeah. but it was... It just showed you just the sheer size of him compared to everybody else. And even yeah. some of the Spurs players were like, we've never played with anybody who even remotely looks like this. Yeah. Just, I I was a little annoyed with his teammates, frankly. I agree. Yeah. Uh, I think the summer league environment, obviously it's not as polished as what professional NBA basketball looks like. So it's a lot of like kind of like rec league stuff. Yeah. And everyone here is like fighting for a contract. So sometimes selfishness just inherently comes into play because it's like, look, I'm not going to make the best play for the team. I need to put up points so I get a contract. Right. Uh, and specifically like a wreck, like just freelance offense kind of environment, that's like far more like a perimeter oriented thing. You don't really, not like a running post-ups or screening action and stuff like that. And I just felt like the his teammate did not do a good job of finding him. And even with that, and uh, two and a half quarters essentially, you got 27 points. Like, the, his offense, I think, is going to be fine. I think it might take a little bit longer than some people anticipated. Yeah. Uh, but I also think the other thing that really stood out, man, as soon as he's on the floor defensively, floor defensively, they don't take shots in the paint anymore. Yeah. It's just, it's not even an option to them anymore. Uh, sometimes the offenses would do good just who they were hitting jump shots, but, like, the paint was not an option. And, like, he could probably jump into the NBA and – Three weeks in, we're going to be calling him a top 10 defender right. in basketball. I think that's me being conservative, honestly. I'm kind of curious to see how that looks with Chet. And I'll, I'll talk to Alex about that afterwards mm-hmm. as well, because I know yeah, he'll, we'll definitely have our Chet conversation. But those two guys seem like they will have almost immediate impact yeah. defensively. Um, yeah. And they're, they're sort of similar in a lot of ways, but... I think scrawny is so. scrawny. Yeah, a little, a little skinny. Although I will say, I don't think Chet gets pushed off his block like Wendy. No, I mean, I, I think I honestly think he did. Yeah, and when I saw, because I saw him at summer league last year, True. yeah, and I felt like he had a lot of those moments where I was like, "Come on, man, that can't make you fall over." Right. But this time around, I saw like two games of his. He looked very, very, very good. Right. Uh, so yeah, I definitely was there. Was there anybody else that stood out to you? Where you well uh, last year? I barely. It's a blur. I might have been prepared for a lot of that. Truth, nice. To be honest, like okay, maybe well, this eighty percent of it, uh, more like forty <laughs> percent. Honestly, that is a part of this trip, though, for a lot of right. people. Like you'll right. see it. Uh, I'm not going to name any names, but there are like players and media personalities and all those people that you see on the streets enjoying themselves, yeah, having a good time. It's part of the it's part of the lore of right. Vegas right. League. But yeah. like a lot of most people are friends with people that they have a, at least if they don't work with they at least have similar jobs yeah all of my closest friends are basketball creators so like it's a, it's an excuse for everybody that i like to be in the same city at the same time and that happens to be fucking las vegas which is a great place to have a party yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> it's uh it someone told me before i was like you can be anything you want to be in las vegas and i'm like man that sounds scary that is <laughs> like that's that's too much i don't know if i can handle it I always default to the same guy when I present. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, I, okay, I guess I'll, I'll say this. Anybody else you've seen, like, cool-wise players? Uh, well, I, mean, I saw the one... Did anybody, like, did, I, it's rare, but did you see anybody where you're like, whoa, like, 
basketball players just like walking around like i don't think so like i saw damar on the sideline that's probably the coolest player that i saw apparently steph and chris paul were there when yeah. i wasn't there like i would have liked to be in the same arena as steph and chris paul yeah i'm one of the few people who likes both of those players yeah yeah <laughs> uh they, those fan bases are usually at each other's throat exactly. but, uh, yes but um i got lost my train of thought oh yeah oh, we saw christian brown uh, and I was like, oh, holy shit, he's tall. He looks so small. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and even I'm a, I'm a tall person, but like I was like taken aback by how tall he was. Uh, and that's that's a really, that's some, this is kind of tangent, but it may. No, go ahead. I did what we're here for. I just kept thinking that because not Thomas and Mac, but if you go to the smaller court, like when you're walking in, you're on floor level with right. players. You get an idea yeah. of their height. And like, I'm six foot three. And, like, in my daily life, I'm taller than almost everybody that I encounter. Yeah. Unfortunately, my actual friend group is full of a bunch of awesome, extremely tall people. Um, so it doesn't stand as much with them. But either way, uh, I feel like a baby whenever I'm there. Like, and I know it's like, wow, a seven-foot guy is really tall. But, like, you truly don't get a full respect for it. I, I've almost gained more of a respect for, like, the Isaiah Thomases of the world. Like, yeah, dude, you're... Yeah. Five seven, you average thirty. I don't know if you got a chance to monsters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the the Marquis Noel game, I saw him, and I was the like five eight, and five maybe seven, maybe seven. Oh, yeah. and he's even maybe seven. Yeah, like he's the first Raptor I've ever covered that is shorter than me, uh, and that's saying a lot. I'm t I'm telling you guys right now, but like in general, he is probably up to like your chest, which is just. Yeah, and just if I saw him, I'd be like, "Let me post up." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how guys like that get to this level. It's 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 a testament to just like how incredible. How, how is it not just inherent that you're going to be a massive defensive line? Yeah, Elliot, that as small. Like the best thing you can do is like, I guess you're so low to the ground, you can get like like mess with ball handlers. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just so sure he like TV. You can just wipe it off. <laughs> no, yeah, we, we're watching currently the Minnesota Timberwolves versus the Utah Jazz. Keontae George is cooking for all. Yes. Um, I love Cock Pavilion. That is a much better experience to me viewing-wise, summer league-wise, compared to Thomas and Mack. Thomas and Mack is just like, okay, you're in a regular NBA arena. Yeah, where is that? Feels like how nice. Yeah, you're in like an AU game. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, I only wait there once, though, just so I can talk to Carrie. Yeah, that's. Uh, I get what you mean. Yeah, no, I, I know, I know. Uh, it's a little bit more intimate, purse. I'll, I'll ask you this, okay? And because you are Chicago Bulls of the uh, aficionado, if you will, uh, is 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 that a good word? That makes it sound like I'm enthusiastic. That I speak grudgingly as you. So, so how how do you feel, man? I, I like I know I, you know what you said you wanted to go on your soapbox. How, go for it. You know what I mean? I believe. Fairly strongly, I understand there are contexts in which it's not as simple as this, but I believe very strongly every NBA team, every franchise, the mark of a good front office, I need to feel like you genuinely have the interest of building a championship contender. At some point. Regardless of what stage you are in it, yeah. it needs to feel like we are progressing in that direction. Sometimes you'll have setbacks, obviously. Yeah. But at least give me the impression your goal is we're going to try to be a championship team. Mitching your entire offseason signing two role players and re-signing Nikola Vucevic does not feel like we have a championship in mind to me. Right. Now, I personally don't believe 
no matter what they did, there's not a championship in this roster as it exists right now. So from my point of view, the only thing that would make me even remotely satisfied is if they would blow the team up. But at the same time, I also don't trust uh, AK to do that. Right. And last I was at Summer League, he was kind of a dick when I met him. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping he loses his job and we would hire someone competent in the front office for the first time in forever and since i have all issues a lot like yeah a hundred percent is because like they 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 were like essentially gar packs yeah were just just like they were kind of held down by rights as far as i am aware uh and like i i feel like even if i was an nba owner and obviously i know basketball more than i think jerry reinsdorf does probably <laughs> uh i you know maybe we had a conversation and we'll find out but i think I'd, be, I'd probably be pretty hostile to be fair uh but um even feeling like i have a good grasp of it if i hired a gm and i was the owner of a team mm-hmm. i'm i'm leaving it yeah like i'll give them like an idea of what direction i want to go into but like, I'm not going to be like, make this specific trade, drop this specific player, right? Because then you get a bunch of dumbass Michael Jordan at best best decisions happening. I feel like I'm pretty sure Vivek Radibe does ask. He does, he does. I mean, I I feel like a lot of owners actually come in and yeah. they're like, let's get crazy, you know, Matt Ishbia in Phoenix. I feel like if you if you can't hire a, a general manager, his job is this. He's not a billionaire who just wanted to buy a basketball team. He is someone who went to college, spent years developing his skills to be a general manager in basketball. Right. Clearly knows more than you. And if you're going to hire him, I would hope you would have the confidence in hiring them to, like, you know, believe that they can do it without just some fucking random guy who just happens to have a lot of money telling them what to do. Yeah. It's 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 really dumb. So I I guess this is the last part I'll ask uh, Zach Levine. Now, how do you feel overall moving forward with him as a player? I feel like we've had this discussion maybe once or twice on Twitter about, you know, whether he is that guy that can potentially move you to that next part, like you said. Wow. I should have a championship. I've had, how do you feel? I've had very conflicting feelings on Zach throughout the years. Fair. I kind of have this cycle with Bulls players where I feel like, especially a lot of the Bulls fan base is even more impatient than I am at times. Um, and I think they'll be a little too hard on players often. So I'll kind of like initially start out defending guys. There's a large section of Bulls Twitter that hates Zach Levine and had from the onset. Yeah. Um, and have done nothing but criticize and you know, give him shit. And it's like sometimes we can be honest and say objectively he's a very good basketball player. That's just true. Yeah. Um, but I, I kind of like, I don't know. The word philosophy makes it sound like I'm way smarter than I am. But, like, my own philosophy on basketball lately has... I, I might actually end up making some content about this at some point. But I think the relationship between playmaking and scoring is, like... It's a pretty essential to have both of them to some degree that, like, as confident. Like, I, the number one guy. Well, not, I just mean in general. Like, to actually be that impactful of a player. Now, let's say you're a... Uh, on the other end of the, I'll say that I'm the offensive player. Right. Like if you're on the other end of the floor doing great shit and then you can only score, you know, you're still a positive player. And Zach is still overall a positive player, but like not as much as he could be if he could even play make as well as Bradley Beal can. 
Um, and I think that goes both ways. That's why I've been John Stockton's biggest hater for my entire life, because I don't believe if you're not an aggressive scorer, or I do believe if you're not an aggressive scorer, your playmaking is not nearly that valuable. Right. And I think if you're an aggressive scorer who cannot playmaking, that aggressive scoring is not nearly as valuable. Because if you're aggressive scoring the ball, you're going to create opportunities for people. Uh, and if you know how to spot those opportunities, it makes scoring that much easier because you don't have to, you don't take a bunch of dumbass shots like Zach Levine does. I think I think a part of it is finding ways to manipulate defense to make it easier for yeah. other guys, right? Yeah. Um, to make life easier on your teammates. How, the greatest players of all time are guys who make life easier on their teammates. Um, and yeah, Zach is a guy who doesn't necessarily have that area of the game down ahead. Yeah. I think the scoring is so incredible that you can bank on that being a part of a championship yeah. team, but not the part. I'll, yeah, I'll even be honest about the scoring, though. I think it's like way more inconsistent people give ground board. Now, to be fair, he has also dealt with injury stuff consistently, yeah. which might be hampering him. Yeah, like to get to the rim. Right, yeah. right. But like, the guy loves to settle for jump shots at times. I'll have a game where he's going to the rim every possession. Mm -hmm. And you're like, yes. Like, Zach Levine can be one of the best slashers in basketball yeah. when he chooses to be, but he very often doesn't choose to be. And I know there was that whole thing years ago where uh, there was some shit about Zach Levine being told not to shoot mid-range shots, and then Kevin Durant was like, keep shooting him, Zach. And I'm like, respectfully, Kevin, Zach Levine doesn't shoot that 57% from mid-range. You do. <laughs> Zach Levine shoots 20% worse than that. Yeah, Don't take mid-range shots. Right. Go to the damn rim, please. Uh, I think he's probably like the 30th best player in the NBA. And I don't want that to be my best player. And with with uh, DeMar DeRozan, unfortunately, his playmaking feels like it's it, it kind of just stopped being as much of a thing. It was a huge thing in San Antonio. Yeah. Uh, within the fact that he can't shoot threes, like that hinders offenses so much. Like there's no way around that yeah. problem. They're going under screens. They're doing all yeah. And like the big thing, the big thing is that him and Zach have never been a positive while sharing the floor together. Like, I, I imagine they overall were a positive very, very early on when everything was going well. But I think it's, I think what the thing was, well, I'm not sure. They've never been a positive without Lonzo Ball. Right. Um, and obviously, Lonzo that Ball. Or in part. Yes. All, it, it's, he, honestly, one of the best definitions of a glue guy that I have ever seen. Yeah. Uh, and he is definitely dearly missed. Really sad, man. It, I, yeah. No time his name comes up, I'm just like, man, I am sad. And I'll be honest, like, I... I hear it, you know, I'll, I'll do the thing I just said I do. Bulls fan, so maybe I'm a little bit biased. I, if you told me two years from, you know, 30 games out of the season before he got hurt, if you told me in two years he was an all-star, I would have believed you. Mm -hmm. Like, he, he got up his scoring. I think he had a career-high year scoring. Well, three-point yeah, shooting was incredible. His three-point shooting was ludicrous. His last two years had already been good, but he was at, like, 8 at 10 by 45 or cents and said. Um, and then him and Caruso... They showed that having your two best defenders being six four guards can make a top five defense in the entire league. They were a top five defense because of those two, and then he got hurt, and then it's been hanging ever since. I know. I remember making that video, just saying like the Chicago Bulls—they're doing something different on defense, and it's working. And that it just—it—it it just. I had to give credit to Billy Donovan because there's obviously a lot of Bulls fans that don't like him. I'm overall lukewarm on him. But he has done so much more with the defensive personnel 
that we have that anyone has any right to. Right. Like, he's made Nikola Vucevic genuinely a plus defender, which I think, you know, there was a lot of talk about him when he got his contract extension. Uh, he was playing, playing defense, and I think a lot of people said his contract was too much, and I, I, dis- I strongly disagree. Yeah. I think $20 million is a perfectly reasonable amount of money for Vooch. When I saw the contract, I was like, I like Especially that. in, like, two years, it's going up. $20 million is not Right, twenty million dollars is the new like eleven. Yeah, we'll see that. So I was like, that's a perfectly reasonable price, but I obviously don't want Mukovic back. I was like, perfect time, perfect amount of money to he's easy to trade. Mm-hmm. But I know that AK is not trying to trade him. Like that's not why he brought him back. Was like this will be good to start a rebuild. He him for not really not right. him for nothing. Yeah, he, he he's trying to run this shit back. And I think if you if you know if you have this even objective. Uh, point of view on like you gotta be fucking delusional to take this team to the championship yeah especially after watching what Denver just did man like they looked unstoppable with a seven man rotation yeah and they were they like the the fact that they built their team so perfectly around their superstar is what just I fell in love with that Nuggets team this year I I, we're, we're, I, I don't want to go on a tangent I, don't I, I know I know I know um, I need to have you on the pod again okay. when we don't have makeshift recording devices and things like that in a Vegas filter. I gotta, I gotta get you on the pod. Okay. Um, I get, before you head out, okay, your top five albums. Yes, on the spot. Okay. Now, let me. No, no, I'm not gonna let you. No, just. <laughs> well, I want to preface this with about like where my situation is a music taste. Okay, I understand. Because I. Unfortunately, I grew up in a very like middle class white suburb, yeah, yeah, and really didn't even know the world very well until I like, you know, went to college, which is a pretty experience. Yeah, but yeah. you know, my dad liked dad rock, yeah, so that was my first bit. I especially was really into Metallica and Rush. Okay, um, Rush was Canadian. I actually got super into uh, Nirvana. Uh, that's so my first answer. Would be uh, Nirvana. Would be um, never. Okay. Okay. Good. Never went out. Nirvana. I think is the best album. All hits, no miss. Uh, it might not be my favorite. My favorite album of all time would be After Laughter by a Pair. Okay. Uh, I when I was in middle school, I got super into punk music. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, After Laughter is not really the punk version of Paramore. I kind of. As I got like 18, 20, I finally started expanding past just rock and punk rock. And like After Laughter is like almost like a album in any way. Yeah, I would say that. Uh, and like very 80s vibes. Sounded a little grooving off of it. Right. Yeah. And I never listened to rap like ever. And okay. like lately, I've been finally doing my toes in and that. And I have enjoyed a lot of it. So I'm trying to like gradually get there. So. Speaking of that, I'd say I guess the next thing, next album I put in there would be that Childish Gambino album. I don't even remember. That is why I brought this up. Awaken My Love. Yeah, man. Literally, me and your mama, that song is all I can listen to right now. I yeah. learned how to play it on drums and it's all like, like, hell yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's so fucking good. And like, I don't, um, not to speak too illicitly here, but those of us who enjoy, uh, herbs. <laughs> so it's a fun song to listen to while doing that. Welcome to Las Vegas, ladies and gentlemen. Right, yeah, right, no. right. Uh, okay, that's three. Give me two more, and we're out. 
Uh, you should have warned me about it. I said, why did you warn you? You could have very easily put together a list. <laughs> that I had no idea. On the spot is always better. I feel, I feel like they're on you on the spot. Can I like scroll through the No, no. Give me two. Give me two albums. Give me two albums. All right. This one probably is not top five, but another album I super love is Wasting Light by the Foo Fighters. Cool. Uh, I am a big Foo Fighters person. That was the band that my dad was most into. So I, by association, got super into them. Yeah, you grow up one of my top five favorite human beings and that aren't anybody that I know personally. <laughs> um, and then that that album in particular, this is the only album they have where like, I love every song. So. Right. Uh, so there's four. One more. Yeah, sure, that's the greatest. Uh, yeah, give me greatest says what out of Yeah, I mean, sure, I mean, greatest is capital. Yeah, we know yeah, we got the best. Yes, I named my dog after Freddie Mercury, so yeah, that entirely makes this amazing person. Okay, look, ladies and gentlemen, Rusty Buckets, appreciate you. Thank you very much. We'll get Alex in here for part two. Follow hosts at Just S Barahini on all socials and at the Lauren Gun on Twitter. The Objective Basketball Podcast, delivering the NBA to you like no other.